Hello authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of Short Nonfiction for Authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively, and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. Authors, I hope you're all keeping well in whatever part of the world you reside and listen to the podcast in. Today's interview is with internationally published best-selling author and podcaster Alison Tate. And she's joining us today to talk about her and Valerie Koo's book, So You Want to Be a Writer, How to Get Started While You Still Have a Day Job. Alison shares her tips and sound advice on encouraging and being kind to yourself fitting your writing in around a day job and other commitments, as well as sharing some of the author snippets from the book, which is, you know, it incorporates so many, about 40 other authors, big names, sharing their experiences, tips and things like that, as well as Alison's own personal experiences in her writing life and when she was juggling day jobs and children and all sorts of things. So that's coming up. So in my author adventure this week, I'm still taking some time from writing. However, the idea for the horror script I wanted to enter into a competition at the, I think it's the end of October, is starting to circulate in my mind. I had this idea, if you've listened to the last few episodes, I've had this idea a while back, so there is bits and pieces of the idea already there. Uh, I've got a setting, I've got some characters, which I'm starting to think about, and really just need to start putting story to them and how that's all going to work. The other thing that I've been doing this week is just taking some lovely calls from some web designers. I'm very excited with how that's all going and the, the, you know, the things that they can do. Yeah, it's all great. So looking forward to getting that running. There's also some events, lots of festivals and events happening where I live in the literary world this week. So I'll be hopefully attending, well, I am attending some of those. So I'll share more on that next week. So if you love the podcast or any of the episodes has helped you further in your author career, you can now pay it forward by buying me a coffee over at www.buymeacoffee.com slash the hybrid author. Links in the show notes and on the posts, social media posts that I put up for the podcast. You can also leave me a review on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on. Just a couple of words to let me and others who write like you know how the podcast is helping further your author career. Let's all support each other. So that's enough for me. Let's crack on with the episode. Alison Tate, A.L. Tate, is the internationally published best-selling author of middle grade adventure series The Mapmaker Chronicles and the Ataban Cipher novels, as well as The Maven and Reeve Mysteries. A multi-genre writer, teacher and speaker with many years experience in magazines, newspapers and online publishing, Alison is co-host of the top-rating Your Kids Next Read podcast and former co-host of the So You Want to Be a Writer podcast. She is the co-author with Valerie Koo of So You Want to Be a Writer, How to Get Started While You Still Have a Day Job. Welcome to the Hybrid Author Podcast, Alison. 
thank you so much for having me. And I have to say, I don't think anybody wants to listen to me talk when we can just listen to your fantastic accent. So I'm just going to sit here and you can tell me all of the things. Maybe we'll do it that way. Oh, you're so kind you are. But no, what an exceptional career you've had in writing and publishing. I'm absolutely blown away. But we'll we'll start at the beginning. You know, how, <laughs> you know, how did you come to be a writer and, you know, end up podcasting the So You Want to Be a Writer podcast with Valerie Cooey? Uh, okay, so I my writing career actually began in magazines many, many, many years ago. Let's not talk about how many years ago. <laughs> um, but I started out as a uh, as a cadet journalist. I learned editing. I learned, you know, how to how to have my work edited as well. Um, and over the years, I gradually through different magazines, uh, I worked across a whole range of different sorts of titles, and um, and I sort of moved more and more into the actual feature writing space as I kind of went along. Long. I actually met Valerie when we were both working at Clio magazine together. So Clio was a, an icon at the time and we had a lovely time uh, working at Clio. Um, and then we sort of, our careers took different paths and I went into mostly freelance writing because I had uh, young children and Val was off, you know, doing various things to save the world. And then she started what was the Sydney Writers' Centre and then became the Australian Writers' Centre. We actually reconnected online via um, blogging. I was I was writing a blog at the time and um, and somehow through social media and things like that, we, we got back in touch. And before I knew it, I was, you know, teaching... <laughs> teaching writing at the Australian Writers Centre. I was doing freelance writing, um, you know, teaching how to do that. And I started writing fiction myself actually in my 20s uh, was about when I thought um, it was probably time having read so many books that I have a crack at writing one. And I started out writing romance fiction because it made sense to me at the time. I was working in women's magazines and I understood um, because romance fiction is very much divided up into, you know, categories and target audiences and all of those things. And I sort of understood that because I, that's how magazines worked. Like if you had looked at Clio magazine and Cosmopolitan magazine on a shelf, you would have thought that they were, you know, almost the same magazine, but they weren't. The, the subtle differences made them, you know, different titles. And I thought, okay, I know how this works. I'm a young woman. I've got this, you know, this writing voice. I'm going to have a crack at writing romance romance and I and I did that I wrote several uh, romance novels and I uh, I won you know competitions I won a mentor um, and the mentor said to me look you know there's no doubt that you know how to do this that you know how to write stuff you've definitely got um, this sort of like writing very particular writing voice uh, but I think you need a bigger canvas because you're struggling to focus on the romance which of course is the point of the romance <laughs> fiction um, so I moved into writing at that point uh, commercial uh, women's fiction so I went from 60,000 word manuscripts to kind of manuscripts that were about 90 90,000 words or so and I was happily sort of you know working in that space and um, in fact uh, the third manuscript that I had written in that area got picked up for publication by a big publishing house you know happy days I was cheering told my friends cried all of that sort of stuff and then for various reasons which had to do with you know personnel moving on in the publishing house and um, you know different things I mean if you if you lose your publisher you lose your champion within a publishing house and sometimes what happens with that is that the people who then take over the project are like what are we doing here? And then they want to change things and you're trying to kind of change your manuscript to fit this new vision and it's not necessarily working. Yeah. And eventually what occurred was that that um, 
manuscript, they decided that they were no longer going to publish it. And as I have said on, on many occasions, if you think it hurts to have a book rejected, I want you to triple that or quadruple that or maybe make it 10 times worse to have a book that has been accepted yeah. for publication suddenly not be accepted anymore. Oh, so that was oh, a big yeah. blow for me, like a huge blow. Um, but it was not as bad as it could have been because by that stage I had begun writing a random project um, about map makers and it was for a middle grade audience and I'd never written for middle grade I'd never written a series and suddenly I was in the process of writing this you know middle grade series and that first book in the map maker chronicles what became the map maker chronicle series had been um, accepted for publication uh, at about the same time as the other book was unaccepted for publication. So one of the things that I always say to writers is that it doesn't matter, like if even if you've had your book accepted, um, you have to keep working on other projects. Like every time you write something and you think it's the best thing you've ever written and you're sending it out for submission, you need to start something else because there's a couple of reasons for it. Not everyone's going to have the experience I had. Like, I, honestly, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Um, but if you do get your book over the line with a traditional publisher, they're going to want to know what else you have. Like, that's one of the first questions they're going to ask you is, do you have any more manuscripts? And you want to be able to say, well, yes, actually, I've got this fantastic, you know, thing over here. So you want to be able to do that. The other thing is that it really helps you to manage the anxiety around you know sending something off for submission and waiting to hear back about it um so i'm always working on other things and you know i think it's worth noting that before my first book was accepted for for publication um i reckon i had written you know close to four or five hundred thousand words of fiction before i got one that was the right thing um so i still have three uh, commercial women's fiction novels sitting in a drawer <laughs> and maybe one day I'll go back to those and maybe I will maybe I will indie publish them I don't know like they're, they're they they never go anywhere they're no. always there and you never know what you might need so that's kind of where I started with the writing and everything else has just been a step-by-step -step increment on top of of that so I think my whole career has just been about okay I'm doing this now I'm going to try that and I'm doing this and now I'm going to try that and I'm doing this and now I'm going to try that. And I think that's kind of not a bad approach. The stepped approach, mm -hmm. it works well. It's not trying to do everything at once, you know, in one hit, which I think would be entirely overwhelming. Um, but sometimes I do look at my days and I go, well, how did I, uh, how did I get to this point where I'm doing a thousand things, which is one of the reasons that I had to kind of let go of the So You Want to Be a Writer podcast at the end of last year. It was just like, okay, I've done this for seven years now. I'm going to make some space for something else. So yeah. anyway, did I answer the question? I'm yeah. So yeah. Just <laughs> rabbiting on. Like, no, it was, you know, how, how you came into the writing world. So yeah, it sounds like you exploded in there and you, wow. wow yeah. It was kind of like a slow boil explosion, shall we say that? You know? <laughs> yeah. The stepped approach layered, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I oh, I can't imagine. And also not just your career, but being a mother and all sorts of stuff um, all contributes to, you know, how much you have on your plate as well. But yes. the um, So You Want to Be a Writer podcast, I guess, you know, 
it, it probably kicked off back when podcasts were quite new, would you say? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, because, you know, it's accumulated so many episodes to date. But uh, it's not just a podcast. You, It's obviously a book brand, which yes. uh, you touched on in the bio. Um, and, and we'll focus on today that. So you want to be a writer, how to get started while you still have a day job. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, can you tell us a bit about why you and Val put the book together? You know, how did it come into fruition and what's been its publishing adventure so far has a how's it going with it well it's been an interesting thing it was one of those things I, I think it's like anything it's a little bit like you know I started writing romance because I I thought you know like I I, I know how this you know this market works and all that kind of stuff um so the, the actual so you want to be a writer book was one of those things that when we actually decided to do it it was more of a situation of why why haven't we done this like why <laughs> we have been talking to each other um on this podcast discussing this subject for I think at that stage it was at least four years um if not five years that we had um had been just sort of doing the podcast together and for us it was a natural extension of of what we talked about you know like because when you discuss writing as much as we did and we also obviously were talking to lots of other writers every so every week we would have um, an interview with um, with another writer um, you are you know certain themes start to emerge in the conversations that you're having and um, Val and I are very much sort of on the same page as far as as the approach to um, to writing and to a writing career and so it was more a sense of we have got all of this stuff we already have all of these things in place we know what we want to say we need to we need to put this in a book form and actually say it and that's that's literally how it happened and the actual uh writing of the book did not take long at all because um we you know you know it was already written in our heads and of course a lot of the there's a section at the back where we have tips from a whole bunch of other authors that we have like there's you know 400 yeah. I don't know there's so many tips I don't even remember how many there are now um but that was just a case of going through or we'd already done the interviews we'd done the research for those and it was a matter of working through those transcripts and figuring out you know the most useful bits of information and also things where um because every episode every time you do an interview with an author there are certain things that they are going to say like every every writer is going to say certain things and you sort of you know you get all that out the way and then when you get into the nitty-gritty of the really personal adventures that's when you get the tip that is different that's when you get the bit of advice that you haven't heard before and sometimes it might be about a subject that's not you know that's kind of adjacent to writing not necessarily you know the actual writing you know craft stuff so um it was a matter of like we've got so much brilliant material here and so much um amazing advice that's been shared on the podcast let's put it in a different form and we're going to put that out there so people can read it because we don't all take in information in the same way um, I know that I'm someone I would much prefer um, if I really wanted to to get hold of an idea I want to read the text I want to be able to take it in at my own time I want to be able to highlight the bits that are interesting to me um, and so you know for me it was like it, for me it was a no-brainer that we needed a a written form of of all of that talking that we'd been doing yeah yeah and um 
I, it was absolutely incredible advice. And I just wish that I had that book around when I first started out, because as a, as a mom, I started, um, you know, taking writing seriously when I had become a new mom and started a uni degree. And because I had found my passion at the same time, I became a parent. I really, really struggled to do it all. And I felt oh, so much guilt. So when I read, you know, when I read the book and, and only just recently, and my kids are quite grown now, and I feel like I've got, I've got some sort of balance happening but so much of it spoke to me um and I, I was just like oh man I, I wish I had had that book when I first started out but you know it, it's still now for people who are in that boat of having a day job having a family trying Absolutely. to write it's which it's is exactly great. exactly where I was when I first started writing fiction I was you know in the day job you know I, when I first started I, I kind of really sort of probably got hold of writing fiction whilst I still was working and at that stage I was single and I would have the time to go home and start writing my romance novels and things like that um, but by the time I got to sort of like the those big long manuscripts that I was talking about or writing for children I had my own kids and I think a lot of um, a lot of people particularly women will will come to that crossroad of um, there's something about having having children that makes us think about what we have been doing and what we really want to be doing. Um, and I think that, so it, it can be an absolute sort of, you know, crossroads for people, but it's also an incredibly difficult time <laughs> to be trying to kind of work on a passion project, particularly yeah. something like writing, which requires you to sit by yourself. Um, and anyone who's got young children knows that finding that sort of time to, to kind of sit by yourself and, and do that, it is very, very difficult. So I think that my background as a, as a journalist and the fact that I was working as a, I had a young baby, I was working as a freelance writer. So when he was asleep, because everyone's like, oh, you just write when they're sleeping. Um, but, you know, we all know that that could be 45 minutes in the middle of the day. Um, and so in that 45 minutes, I would be attempting to do interviews, to write stories, to do, you know, to actually make the, the living because, of course, paid work always comes first so whether it's your day job that you have to go out to whether it's your freelance work at home it always has to come first because you've got to pay the bills like we all have to pay the bills so I had this dream of like writing these novels and I was still um and I was like by hook or by crook I was going to do it and so I started because I was used to deadlines because I was used to word counts and because I was used to fitting things in because when you're um, working on a magazine and you're having to do you know you've got to get your words written but you've also got to do xyz there's going to be 15 yeah. meetings a day you've got all this stuff that's got to be done you get very good at writing very hard and very fast so it's a thousand words um, in an hour you know you know or more so that's the kind of writing I was quite used to fiction was took me a while to get my head around how I was going to make that work um but I made time for it and I think yeah. that that's the only way to do it you have to make time so the best time for me because I'm a night owl was the middle of the night I would put you know my husband to bed because he was a he's a, he was a builder he was getting up at the crack of dawn so great he would be going to bed at 9 30 see you later and then I would make sure I got in whatever feeds had to be done get my kid to bed and then I would sit down for an hour and it takes you know people talk about the muse and they talk about creativity yeah. and they waft around about writing but what it actually takes to get a book written particularly under those circumstances if you are a parent and you have young children is routine and discipline you have to be able to make yourself do it you've got to be able to sit down at the computer but you also have to learn to make 
make the most of your thinking time. So, you know, I found newborn babies, I'm sorry, like this probably makes me the worst mother in the world. Oh, I doubt that. Boring. <laughs> so boring, right? <laughs> Newborns are so boring. They just sort of lie there and kick their little feet around and they're like, cute as, whatever. But there's not a lot of conversation going on there. There's not a lot of stimulation going on there. So I found that that gave me a lot of time to kind of get off, get away in my head and I could sort of be thinking about other things. My boys, who are now 18 and 15, will tell you that I have never got out of that habit, that I can be present with them, you know, wherever we are, doing whatever we're doing and, you know, working through some kind of problem in my manuscript, in my head. Um, so it is, a, it is a habit that you get into. I got very good at the sort of the daydreaming aspect of writing um, whilst I was doing things I had to do, whilst I was weeding, whilst I was, you know, washing clothes. Folding clothes is really, really good for story writing because it's so, you know, mechanical. So I think it's about... Um, working out how you can make the time to do this thing that you really want to do and if you incorporate the thinking time because it is the writing time as well you can incorporate that it just means that when you do show up to your computer or your notebook or whatever it is that you do um, however you write your stories it just means that you're ready to go you yeah. know what the next bit is going to be and you can actually just sit down and go right there's my thousand words for the day. And if you can kind of, even if you're doing 200 words a day or 500 words a day, the cumulative effect of that is that you've almost written a book before you know it, as long as you show up, as long as yeah. you turn up to do it. And the only way to do that is to make the time to do it whenever it suits. I have friends who get up at four o'clock in the morning, like that is not me. I cannot <laughs> do that. Um, I had other friends who wrote entire books, you know, on the train, on the commute to work, because that was the only time they had. Drop the kids at school, commute to work, go do their day job, and then on the way home, another sort of half hour or whatever. And by the end of the day, they've done an hour's writing and, you know, they've got some words down. And it sort of soothes that rising sense of panic that you have that you're not getting your words written and yeah. you really really want to so yeah. I think if you can just get some down each day um that's the way to do it like we talk about it as writing in the cracks or writing in the you know in those little hollows of the day and we all have them um it's just a matter of identifying where they are and it's not ideal I'm you know I'm not going to lie it's not ideal you know although I do say that if someone actually said to me right you've got a whole week to sit down and do nothing but write your novel I, I would go into a frenzy of panic <laughs> because I would just be like well, that's too much pressure yeah um, so you know you do get into a into a habit of doing it that way um, but if you are thinking that what you need is a full day to write you're probably never going to write your book you've got to work with the time that you have not the time you wish you had yeah. because if you wait for that to happen you will never write anything and then you know you before you know it your kids are going to be 18 and 15 and you're just starting out and like that's not where you want to be yeah I, I completely agree with everything you're saying and I think um when you're sort of starting out as a writer I, and I, I, I myself as well felt I wasn't being productive unless I was actually sitting down typing mm. the words and uh, there's also a lot going on in your head that I think that you have to let go well especially for myself anyway like perfectionism and what yes. has to be this and um and I also feel like not as as you sort of get used to, like you said you've written three romance novels nearly 500,000 words sitting in a drawer there until you almost found your voice I suppose or yeah. um your calling and I, I just think that 
Oh, no, nothing is is kind of wasted. No. Um, and I think when you find your process, like I've noticed, I procrastinate by rereading over what I've written, or re- you know, I'll sit down yeah. for that half an hour, and then I spend time catching up on the story, and then oh, it's, it's, there's no time to write now. So- no, that's right. No, and look, and that look, that's completely understandable. But I think it's one of those things where, um, we have like I, I you know it's different for everyone but for me I just had this like publishing imperative where I, I had to push and I think it came from the freelance deadlines as well because you know I was so used to like write the story the story was published the next month move on to the next one so I'd be kind of pushing my way through some of these manuscripts what I have learned over time is that the publishing industry and it's, it's slightly different if you're indie publishing because you can kind of like control more of it. But if you are traditionally published, the the publishing industry is all about hurry up and wait because it, it everything, it moves at glacial pace. Like it is, I found it so frustrating. Like I always say that one of the things, if I was going to go back and give my, you know, baby writer self some, some, uh, some advice, it would be to learn patience. Like I'm really in the wrong industry. Like I, this is not my sweet spot at all. This business of waiting for people to come back to me and waiting for all of that sort of thing. But I've also learned, I think over time that no word that you write is wasted. Like it, it, it's all about learning um, yeah. something different. And every time you try some new thing, you're going to have to work your way into it. I do wish that I was someone who had learned to plan more when it came to writing my novels. Um, as my friend Kate Forsyth says, you know, you're either going to like, you've got to either love planning or you have to love editing because you can't get out of both. Like whichever way you <laughs> learn to write your novels, like if you choose to kind of, you know, do it the way that I do it. And it is a choice. Like um, Graham Simpson always says that, you know, pantsing is, is a choice. It's not necessarily a, a, an imperative. Um, but for me, I don't know. I, I have tried planning novels and I lose interest. Like yeah. I, for me, it's about the discovery of what's going to happen next. Um, and I think that that's really important. But I have also le- had to learn from that, that what I need to do is push forward with the draft. I can't be keep going back and polishing the first chapter yeah. until it's perfect because chances are by the time I get to the end of the story, that first chapter is not going to be in the book at all. <laughs> and that is something that I have learned. I almost invariably start my novels in the wrong place. So for me, it's about learning that writing the story forward and then figuring it out as it go, as I go along, knowing it's not going to be perfect. First draft is never going to be perfect. And making notes about what I might need to change in the second draft, um, that's my process. Other yeah. people work differently, but I think you have to figure out what your process is, what works for you, and then you basically have to go forward with that. But I do think this notion of perfectionism, particularly mm. with a first draft, needs to be thrown out the window or you will never finish. You yeah. will never, ever get a book finished. And the one thing I know for sure is that if you want to publish a book, you have to finish a manuscript first. You cannot be a published author with a perfect first chapter. You know, mm. you have to actually have con- have written a convincing manuscript from start to finish, but it might take you three edits to get to the point where that, where that manuscript is where you want it to be. It, yeah. it takes time. How polished does it have to be? How polished do publishers want it to be? 
publishers want to be able to see like it's it's very very different with every publisher that you're going to send it to but my suggestion is always that you send to your publisher or a publisher that you're submitting to the best possible version of that story that you can do at this time like it has to be your best work for this story and then what's going to happen probably is that that publisher is going to come back to you and say I really like this, but I think we're going to need to do X, Y, and Z to it. Um, and at that point, you have to be open to feedback. You have to yeah. look at what, you know, what you're willing to change within this story and what you're not. And I think, um, but it has to be, there's no point in sending something that you know has problems, you know, mm. and you do know deep yeah. in your heart. Gut, you gut know, feeling. <laughs> if you think that there's a problem with it and you're hoping that that publisher is not going to notice it, then you're in the wrong business because they are. They If there's one thing they're really good at, it's pinpointing <laughs> the structural issues with your manuscript. Um, so, yeah, so they want it to be as good as you can possibly make it. Um, and that's going to look different for all of us. Yeah. But they're going to probably buy the story on is your voice they're going to buy it on the the um the struct the structure of the story they're going to buy it on the character um they're going to be willing to work with you to make it even better yeah um but they want you to submit the best possible the best, version yeah. that you can do at the time yeah no that's fantastic and um just on everything you've said as well I think it's important like um even if you do find you have a process I guess nothing is set in stone whether you no. want to try the planning or uh, writing at a different time a different routine I, like you said I used Absolutely. to write right when the baby was asleep and then sometimes when we did get up early but I'm more like yourself a night owl and it used to just changes all the time with what is going on in your life for sure and and you make it work around whatever's happening like like I, I used to do a, a fair bit of writing whilst my youngest son, you know, was at soccer practice or footy practice or swimming practice or whatever, because, you know, he was a very sort of sporty kid and I had to fit all that in. So I had kind of these long periods of sitting in a car waiting for him to do whatever yeah. he was doing. And I used to write then. I don't, I don't have to do that anymore because he's not, you know, he's a bit more sort of independent and I have more time in my day. So I, I fit the writing into my day in a different mm -hmm. way now. And yeah. I think, it's always open to change. Um, if you set it in stone, I feel as though you're, you're going, particularly if you are um, trying to manage a family and a, and a day job as well, um, you're just going to run into trouble for yourself and you're going to put so much pressure on yourself. Yeah. And the last thing I think that you need when you are trying to complete a manuscript is more pressure on you yeah. because, you know, there's already enough pressure in the process of actually writing. If you get to the end of a manuscript and you've managed to write, you know, 70,000 words in a row and they make some form of sense, then go you as far as I'm <laughs> Concern because it's not easy you know no. and and everybody like think about the number of people that say yeah I'm so I'm just gonna write a book one day and they never do so yeah. if you do then yeah. I, I reckon get yourself a gold star and wear it on your forehead <laughs> that's it no it's definitely we, we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves I think yeah. as parents and, and all overloaded almost um and one of the things I guess that comes up a lot from people doing so much is burnout and feeling exhausted and things yep. so how do how you know what are some of your tips for people who have the day job have the family and then had that little bit of time at night to do the writing, but they just feel utterly exhausted. Is it just a case of get on with it or, you know, try and do five minutes or whatever oh, look, you can? Okay. So there's a couple of things that at play there. So I think that, that if you are in that situation and you are wanting to write your book, then, you know, 
there is definitely a lot to be said for starting. Because if you say to yourself, I'm just going to do five minutes, I'm just going to try and write, you know, 50 words, or I'm going to sit down and write a paragraph, like 200 words for me is a pretty good sort of a a thing to aim for, because it's about two paragraphs. And if you just think, I'm just going to add two paragraphs to my story. And this is why having your story on a sort of a Google Doc or something where you can easily access it, you know, on your iPad or on your laptop or on your anywhere that you can access it anywhere. um, That's a great thing because it does mean that if you are sitting there and it's the end of the day and the house is quiet and you're on the couch and you think, I just can't possibly do this, you can pick up your iPad and you can be like, I'm going to do 200 words. And you know what? The thing with it is once you get started, you know, what 10 minutes becomes 20 minutes, 10 minutes becomes half an hour. And before you know it, you've added, you know, 500 words or 600 words or something. Um, So there's that. So there's that aspect of it, which I think, the just getting started thing is is a really good way to actually sort of make sure that you're making a little bit of progress. The other thing I do say to people too is to be a little bit kind to yourself. Like I am not a person who says write every, you know, you must write every single day if you are going to be um, a writer. Um, It's writers do write. Like you can't just think about it and the thinking time is important, but unless you actually get the words on the page, you're not making progress with your manuscript. But there is nothing to say that you have to do that every every single day of your life. I think it's really important to listen to your body as well, because you may not feel like it today and it's late and you've had a really busy day at work and you're quite burnt out. Okay, you know what? Don't do it today, because what that means is that when you do come back to it fresh tomorrow, you might write twice as much, you know, like it's it's an ebbs and flows thing for me. And I think it's getting used to what your rhythm is. Um, but it is also about making, um, looking at your week, looking at where those gaps might be, looking at the day where the days, maybe two or three days of that week where you're not as busy or you, you're you going to have a lunch hour or you're going to have a, you know, something that's going to happen and be like, okay, I'm going to write it in my diary. I'm going to write my words then. I'm going to do at least 100 words or 200 words then. Um, because we you will always feel better about things, uh, about if you're making at least a little bit of progress. Yeah. And I think it's also worth, I think it's also worth noting too, with fiction in particular, unless you have a contract, the only person who's putting a deadline on your book is you. And no one's waiting for it. Not really, unless your mom is, <laughs> but nobody's <laughs> waiting for it. Like your first book in many ways, and you will, you will hear authors talk about this all the time, about how much they wish they had, um, enjoyed the process of that first book more because once you do get into a situation where so I I remember when I wrote the Mapmaker Chronicles the first book in that um, I wrote the first draft of that in six weeks Um, so it was about 50,000 words and I wrote it in six weeks and it was because I was so excited by just I enjoyed it so much. It was like the first children's fiction I'd ever written. The story was just so much fun. I was like, oh, I'm going to have a sea monster. I'm going to have a pirate. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And it was a really, really joyous experience for me. And I really, really enjoyed it. Um, But then the next two books uh, of that series came out within a year. So the first one came out in October 2014, the second one in April 2015, and the third one in October 2015. So it was bought off the first book, and then it was like the pressure was on for me to get those other two books written. And that is a very different feeling Mm -hmm. to that joyous experience of just like, I'm going to have it. Yeah, I'm 
going to do this because suddenly I had a story arc to manage and I had, you know, all of these different things that had to happen. Um, So enjoy the process of it. Enjoy the experience. You really writing is all about the experience of the writing. You can't control anything else in your publishing journey and your writing journey, except the experience of actually putting the words on the page and discovering the story and meeting yeah. your characters. And really that's, that's what we're there for. That's what yeah. it's all about. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Cause obviously if, if you enjoy what you're doing, then others are going to read it and enjoy it too. And I think if, um, you know, we, we look at the process or we look at writing and it's something exciting and it's fun and, you know, then we're going to want to do it. And, and rather than, Oh gosh, you know, I'm exhausted after a day of working and family and kids and oh, I've got 500 words that should be like, yes, I, you know, I've got that 500 words I can jump jump back into the manuscript and enjoy it. Yeah, no, I and, absolutely you know, agree. And every story is going to have moments where, like, when you're writing a story and you really get hold of it, you really feel like you're on a downhill run, like you're just, like, sliding down that ski slope and it's going so fast and it's amazing. And then you might turn up the following day and trying to write 200 words is like wading through concrete because you've reached a bit in your story that's just not quite, you're not quite sure what's going to happen or that you haven't quite got hold of the, of the characterization or of a new person or something like that. Um, and I think it's worth really um, understanding that not every day is going to be a joyous thrill ride, um, that some days are wading through concrete. And if you feel like that and 200 or 400 words is all you can do that day, yeah. then just stop. And then come back the next day. You know, go walk your dog. Or I mean, that's what I do. Go walk your dog. <laughs> it's always a good thing. I've got a very skinny dog because I go walk my dog a lot. Um, but yeah, it's about sort of understanding your process. Um, when you're trying to get through your first manuscript, though, it, it is really all about making sure that you keep going, even if it's hard, even if you didn't write last week at all. Pick it up again and keep going because you are aiming to complete it. You are aiming for the end. Yeah, no, that is absolutely incredible advice there, as well as, you know, all the advice that is shared in the book is just fantastic. Are you able to share a couple of the tips from any of the writers in the book that, you know, stand out? (laughs) There's so many. (laughs) There are so many of them. And the the thing about them too is that they, the tips cover a whole range of different Mm. things. So they cover everything from, you know, not reading your reviews. Leanne Moriarty is a great believer that authors should never read their own reviews, which I just find hilarious because if I was Leanne Moriarty, I would be reading every single thing that was ever, (laughs) ever written about you. Because, you know, as she said, there's going to be at least, you know, she says, don't read your reviews. You probably will. um, And there will be at least one that hurts. Um, And she's like, one way to make yourself feel better is to think of a brilliant book by an author you adore and then look up the one-star reviews of that book because you'll feel better. Because if if people are writing one-star reviews about some of the greatest books ever written, then, you know, whatever, you can take that with yours. Um, But yeah, they like, there's just a whole range. They they talk about building a writing career. Um, Karen Vigors uh, talks about about learning to walk, to work with editors. And I've got to say that is a massive tip because um, one thing that you want to be when you do get your book over the line is you want to be professional. Now I get my editing notes and I'm not going to lie. I, I throw them at the wall. So I've very much learned that when my notes come through, they sit on the, on the dining table, still in the envelope. I know what they are. So they sit on the dining table, still in the envelope for at least a couple of days while I work myself up to them. And then I open them up and I have a little read of them. And then I quickly put them back into the envelope and I walk away 
you know, I take it on board and I walk away. And then another day or so later, I will come back and I'll have a proper look. And then I will respond to my editors about them because you always want them to be, Alison, this is perfect and we will not change a word. And they never are. And so <laughs> you have to learn how to manage that. And it's not criticism. And I think that's that's something that new writers um, struggle to get hold of. The editor is not criticising your work. The editor is letting you know where readers won't understand what's happening or where readers are going to see holes in your plot or where readers are going to think that your character is two-dimensional and they are there to help you make it better. So learning to work with them, um, they have distance on your work and they, you know, look at what's working and what's not. Um, you don't have to take everything on board. I had a conversation with an editor um, regarding the Adaban Cipher. There are four girl characters in that series. And she sort of said to me, look, I know we've got the Spice Girls here, but can we have Destiny's Child instead? Because I'm, you know, I'm just wondering what this fourth one is all about. And I'm like, no, no, she's essential. We need her because she's actually quite pivotal to the plot in the second book. And she said to me, well, then you need to put her on the page more. I need to see more of her and understand why she's there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's feedback rather than criticism. And I think learning from that is good, but like there, there's tips in there about building your author platform. There's tips in there about learning how to kind of, you know, do an author event. There's tips in there about everything. So, and these are all part of the career of being a writer. It's not just about you sitting in a dark room, writing a book. It's about all of the things that go with being an actual author. Yeah, no, that's amazing. You've shared some absolute wonderful advice there for busy people trying to carve their way into the writing world and, you know, juggle it all through just trying to find a little bit of time that suits your schedule, you know, making small goals, syncing your work so you could just lift up your phone. There it is. And, you know, get it done. And uh, yeah. be, like you said, being kind to yourself, because I I look back when I first began and oh man, I was so hard on myself and especially as a mum and had yeah. massive guilt and really, you know, you feel like you should be doing this or you should be there. And uh, yeah. yeah, so this book is fantastic for, for everyone doing that. Like I said, I just wish I'd had it back when, back way <laughs> when, but never mind. <laughs> I'm glad it's out there for everybody else. But, you know, uh, so you've, you've just, do, you do so many incredible things. What, uh, will there be any more, you're now not doing the, the podcast with Val anymore, but do you have any plans to put any more of these kind of books out? So you want to be a writer things or work together? on any other you know uh projects or um, well similar? I wouldn't I would never say never because yeah. you know there's we're, we're always kind of formulating plans like as I said we're 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 good friends and um one of the joys of doing the podcast was just the opportunity like we had to make time each week to actually speak to each other so that was yeah. that was always a, a great pleasure in my life um and I do miss that that's actually probably of all the things that I miss about you know doing the podcast which you know after seven years it took me a little while to get used to not doing it um was just the the pleasure the sheer pleasure of talking to Valerie every week was was something I loved um but I had started the Your Kids Next Read podcast by then and so it was just becoming like a difficult thing for me to to manage both and I just thought oh no it's time so now I speak to Megan Daly every week yeah. instead, <laughs> which is quite a pleasure um but yeah I, I don't know that we do any more books at this stage but you know as I said never say never you never know what what's around the corner yeah. and one thing that I know about myself and my friends is that a lot of the things that we end up doing are just about somebody sending you a message or somebody sending you an email saying, 
what do you reckon we should give this a go? And it's like, oh, yeah, why haven't we done that before? And so that's that's the kind of thing that we do. So who knows what kind of emails or messages I might get. Yeah, fantastic. So um, honestly, I could speak to you all day, Alison, about a million things, but I won't take up any more of your time. But can you tell us, well, thank you anyway for your time and expertise and oh, sharing so much that you me. have. Uh, tell us everything, where we can find you, your books, your podcast, your social media we want to hear it all <laughs> so much stuff my yeah <laughs> um so you will find me and my all of my various books at alisontait.com a-l-l-i-s-o-n-t-a-i-t.com uh you will find if you want to look directly for the so you want to be a writer book it's on all of the various um you know platforms to buy or you can if you want a signed copy you can go to so you want to be a right i think it's so you want to be a writer.com.au i think is the is the url but it's on the writerscenter.com.au website you'll find it there um you will find me a lot of the time in the your kids next read facebook community so we now have about twenty five thousand members um in that group and that is uh if you are someone who is writing for children um whether you be published or whether you're you know writing manuscripts at the moment or whatever it is a great place to hang out because it is where you know, parents, teachers, booksellers, uh, authors, um, you know, anyone with a sort of an interest in children's literature is in there recommending books to each other. It's about the kinds of books that are being talked about with word of mouth. It shows you where the gaps in the market are. I need a book about this. Well, there isn't one, you know, although, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, the thing that fascinates me is somebody was in there the other day asking for books about slugs because their four-year-old had an obsession with slugs. I'm like, slugs? How many books about <laughs> slugs can there be? Oh, mm -hmm. apparently there's a lot of books about slugs. So suddenly there was this huge list of books about slugs. Um, so that's just on Facebook. You'll find me there, um, Your Kids Next Read. Um, and I also have a little online uh, writing group for anyone who's interested. It's called Write with Alison Tate. You will find it on my website under the online writing group tab. Um, and it's a little community where I share tips and advice. We do a write a book with our challenge, which is where, you know, we we aim to get words written, you know, each day. Um, we d I do a Q&A each uh, month where it's a live on Zoom Q&A where people can actually just, you know, pop in and ask whatever questions they might have about whatever. Um, and then we also do an industry uh, insider interview each month as well. And I've got an amazing uh, array of guests coming up. I've got Annabelle Barker, who is a literary agent. I've got Natasha Lester and Kate Forsyth, who are both best-selling authors. And I have Anna Spargo-Ryan, who is an award-winning author. Uh, author and memoirist and they're really intimate so you if you've got questions you will get to ask your questions so um have a look at that if you're interested in joining my little group and you can listen to me bang on about writing you know <laughs> day in day out week in week out it's lots of fun <laughs> oh we would absolutely love that that's incredible thank you so much for everything you've shared today oh thank you so much for having me like i could talk to you for another hour as well just so i can hear your accent really <laughs> Yeah, and yours too as well. As like I said, I've been listening to the pod your podcast for many, many years now. So to actually speak to you feels a bit surreal. <laughs> a lot of people say that. I will go to events and people will say, I heard your voice and I recognised that Yay. before I recognised you. So, yeah. yeah, it's funny. It's incredible. Well, thanks again. Thanks.
So there you have it, folks, the inspiring and uplifting information from the very animated Alison Tate. And I hope her wealth of expertise and knowledge and tips and is, is helping, is going to help anyone out there who's struggling to fit in the time to write or find the energy around, you know, busy day jobs, family, other commitments. It can be a struggle sometimes to organise ourselves, but once we get in that groove and like we, we just talked about, be kind to ourselves and do what we can for ourselves and work how we work, then it will all come together and you'll start to feel good about yourself rather than self-bashing. Next time on the Hybrid Author Podcast, we have illustrator Amy Colotti talking to us about how to hire an illustrator. She's going to share with us information on where authors can start to look to hire an illustrator for their picture books or other books, what we can expect as well. So that's coming up next week. I wish you well in your author adventure for the next week. That's it for me. It's bye for now. That's the end for now, authors. I hope you're further forward in your author adventure after listening, and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.